Okay, we're going to continue in the teaching on the congregation. It was at Thyra Tyra, and um, I don't know how many teachings this will be. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger, as always, as we um, go through these congregations. Like I said before, we went through three, and we've been doing it since uh, Sukkot last year after we come out of it. But it's so important. We talked about last last week. Um, about the lampstand, this is the fourth one, and this is the spirit of Adonai in this uh, in this uh, menorah here. And we talked about how this spirit of Jezebel is about seducing and teaching the the congregation there um, away from Baal worship, away from the worship of Yahweh. We also talked about that if you look at the menorah, and this is something that Halisa does very well in her teachings that especially how they're all connected. And so if a Nora is connected by each branch, don't think that these congregations are not connected by each branch. We know about the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. It's a Holy Spirit. And they're all, all these fun, counsel, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, fear of Yahweh, its power, it's all connected. And it's all used by the Holy Spirit to do what it needs to do. So with that, um, this is what we were talking about. Hopefully, we'll figure out as the Father uh, leads us and see which direction we go. Because um, I have notes everywhere up here. So let's, let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. You know, Lisa did a, a tour portion for us last week also that she tied into uh, on Shabbat afternoon. Talking about the feast and how all of this ties together. And if we don't understand Shabbat, we don't understand these feasts and festivals. Let me let me just say this right here also before I get started. Because I have got so much rolling around in my head, it's like a pinball machine. Do what? Oh, I can do it. I can do it. It might be all pinballed. Y'all might be all wired when we get through. But y'all just hang with me. Passover. Pesach. You know... The main thing that we do, other than realizing and understanding what Yeshua did for us, for being the drink offering and being the food offering, being the bread and being the wine, and salvation. Passover is something that we do. It is a remembrance. It is a a memorial. And we're doing what? We're doing something to a story. We're doing what to that story? We're telling the story. We're telling this story. Now... We're telling the story about the people who are coming out of somewhere. Where did they come out of? What country were they in? They were in Egypt. They came out of Egypt, and they were going where Yahweh designed them in the beginning to be. Okay, he designed them. Well, he designed us to be in the garden, and sin kicked us out, but he's trying to get us back there. Amen. But what do we keep doing as congregations? or as the seven congregations, instead of going back where Yahweh wants to put us, right in the heart of Jerusalem, we keep going back to Babylon or Egypt or Assyria or wherever. We, we just don't, because we're not, we're not hearing and heeding and doing what he says to do. So I want to bring this here because if I get to it, we're going to go to Jeremiah 44. And in Jeremiah 44, you're going to see where this prophet was pleading because in 42, I'll just tell you a little bit of the, the story here. The people, Babylon, they were fixing to go into captivity. It was, it, the prophet had been speaking to them over and over and over and over again. 
And I can say a bunch of over agains. And pleading with them to repent. And they wouldn't do it. And by not repenting, Nebuchadnezzar is going to now come and bring you into Babylon. But what does people do? We still try to take matters in our own hand. And so they pleaded with him about, uh, we're going to go to Egypt. And, he, and then Jeremiah, he asked the father, and the father says, no, you're not going to Egypt. I am going to protect you in Babylon, but that's where you're going because of your sin. And we're going to read the story of what they said to him. But what do we usually want to do? We always want an element of control in our life, and we want to do what we want to do in the flesh that's going to bring us safety and security. And this is what they were doing. And so with that, in Colossians, though, I want us to realize what is idolatry. This is something that she mentioned in her Torah portion last week. We have to understand. See, a lot of times today, if you ask the church world as we know it today, you're in idolatry, they'll tell you, no, we're not. They'll say, no, we're not, because they think that idolatry is strictly bowing down to a little figurine. They don't really understand what idolatry is, and it's all about the very first commandment is, I'm Yahweh Elohim. He addresses who he is. I'm, I'm Yahweh Elohim, first one. But the second one deals with idolatry because it's a biggie. And everything that goes under that, because it, it seems like to me, and I may be wrong, but this is just my opinion the way I look at it, the first four commandments is how we're, we're in this, this relationship. And the other, you know, adultery, uh, fornications, and murders, and all of this is resulting of not operating in the first four. Murder, why do you murder? Well, you're not obeying him. Why do you commit adultery? You're not obeying him. See, what is it? Murder, sexual immorality, lying, coveting, stealing, borrowing stuff from your brother too long and never bringing it back, stealing, and all of these things. What does that stem from? It stems from Yahweh is Yahweh, I am that I am, and, and you know, uh, no graven images, no idolatry, and Shabbat. Even breaking Shabbat, that's, that made the top four. So with me, when you break these top four, that, that deals with the heart of the matter of what everything else falls under. Remember what did, what did they ask him? What are the greatest commandments? He said, loving the Father and loving your neighbor. It's, it's, it's the number one commandment in this. So with that, so what is idolatry? I just wanted to throw this out here. Paul makes a statement to the Colossians in 5, 6, and 7, and 8. And he says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is the message to us today. Now, here again, Colossae, he's talking to the people who are believers there. He's not talking to heathens. I always want to bring this back that these letters are written to people and something evidently for him to address that, there has to be something going on there. Either, either they're backsliding, they're falling away, they're returning back to Egypt, whatever's happening. But he's telling them, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. First one is what? Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness. And what does it say? Which is what? Which is idolatry. So he's telling us that impurities, passion, evil desires, covetousness, sexual immorality, which sexual immorality covers a lot of stuff, okay? And it's idolatry. So guys, if there's anything in these areas that we're operating in, then we're idolatrous. 
We're worshiping idols. This is what it means. You're an idol worshiper. And it says, on account of these, because this is why we're going through these seven congregations, because judgment is coming to this place. Amen. Yeshua is going to return, and he is going to, he's not going to be a lamb. And he, he is not going to sit here and give you a wool jacket. He is going to be a roaring lion. And he is going to come back and clean this place up, and he is going to conquer like a king conquers. But this is why we're saying this. But on the account of these, the wrath of Elohim is coming. Can we say that this world is in a mess? Can we say that the world is not only wrapped up into all of these, they, you can go through the, the whole list of the stuff in, in Galatians of the works of the flesh. I think we're doing that on steroids today. And so there's a lot of idolatry. And he says, on the account of these, the wrath of Elohim is coming. And he says this, in these you too once walked. So he's telling us, yes, we did, but we're not to now. When you were living in them. But now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. I just wanted to bring that scripture out. Just one of many that talks about idolatry and tells you exactly what the definition of idolatry is. Amen? Okay, so let's go to... Let's see where do I want to go. Well, you know one thing? Let's see. Well, I'll do that one in a minute. So let's go to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 20 again. I'm going to read it. No, let me go to verse 22. Then I'll come back to 20. Because I want to show you something here. I mean, all you got to do is look up here at the paper. I mean, I've got, I got I got notes and arrows and reminders going every which way. So hopefully it will connect. Verse 22. We're going to look at Revelation 2.22 first. I just want to throw this out there. Can I tell you how many times that have we said this here, that our sin, my sin, don't affect just me? It don't affect just me. There was a guy named Achan... And he called a lot of Achan in the camp. And that's like Achan and then uh, AC. Uh, Y'all got that, okay. But that's what happens. And sometimes we can become an Achan with it. We're calling Achan upon our people because of sin that's going on. Sin doesn't always affect just you. If you're a, if you're a husband and wife and you have children, it affects the family. If it's going on in this congregation, it affects the community. It went on here, and it is affecting the body of Messiah. This is the way it works. If you don't believe me, ask Adam, and he'll tell you. That his sin didn't just affect him. It affected all of us from generations, and it took Yeshua to have to come and correct it. But it shows you also that that one righteous act that Yeshua did, according to Paul, straightened out for all of us. So it shows you that that this righteous act corrected that. So it shows us that, that our sin doesn't just affect us. So in verse 22, it says this, Behold, there's a lot here, so I'm going to try to stay just what I want to look at. It says, I throw her onto a sick bed, talking about Jezebel. I throw her onto a sick bed. Usually when you're committing things that you ought not be committing, a lot of times it's on a bed. Okay, so the, so the very bed that she was committing it on is the bed of judgment that comes to her. It says, I throw her onto a sick bed, and to those, now listen, Jezebel 
is a her was onto the sickbed. Those who committed adultery with her, I will throw in the great tribulation. So Jezebel was thrown onto a sickbed. All of those who were committing adultery with her are going through great tribulation. But keep watching what happens in the progression. And he says this is what's going to happen unless they repent of her works. Verse 23 says this, what's going to happen to the children? I will strike her children, what? Dead. So you can see the progression of how it goes from, from sin into great tribulation. But if you don't repent, death comes. Because the wages of sin is death. I gave her time. And this is why we're going to go to Jeremiah 44. Because his mercy and grace is beyond anything that you can imagine. And a lot of times his mercy and grace, especially his mercy, is given to us in such, I mean, a vast amount. What happens to us sometimes, we just get to where we just feel like we're okay. But the shoe's going to fall if we don't return. It's just his mercy and grace is so awesome. But do you know that he gives us opportunities? He gives us chances because he deals with us over and over and over again. And he allows situations, he allows tribulations to come in our life so that we can wake up. But eventually, if we don't wake up, death is going to show up. And usually it talked about her, it talked about a group, and then it talked about the children. So a lot of times, what is happening with, uh, let me just throw it out here like this. Do we, uh, the United States of America, are we in debt? 30 trillion? So it's a little bit more. Can you, can you even fathom that? How do you fathom $30 trillion? How do you fathom that? I don't even think we got enough paper. I don't think we got enough pine trees to print that much money. I mean, think about it. If that's going to happen, all of these, these trillions, who is it going to eventually, if it doesn't get fixed, who is it eventually going to put into total the, your, your offspring, the children? The children. You see how things that, that happens here is going to, sooner or later, if it doesn't get fixed, it's going to affect somebody somewhere. It can't continue on forever. So I'll just use that analogy, and this is what was going on here. You can't keep kicking your sin down the road. You keep kicking that can down the road. Sooner or later, it's going to turn into an anvil, and you're going to break your foot. Because that's just what happens. You just can't keep pushing things and thinking it's okay. And that's what he's telling them here. So here we see that Jezebel, in verse 20, I'll go back and read it. I have this against you that you tolerate. Remember last week we said your wife. Two older manuscripts, instead of saying that woman, I'm going to say your wife. And the Hebrew version read your woman. Because that, that internalizes, that, that's what it's really saying. That you tolerate your wife Jezebel. Now, who is to be our husband? Yeshua is to be our husband, but we trade him because who is he talking to here? He's talking to the church or the congregation at Thyatira. They have turned in Yeshua, and he says, you're tolerating your wife, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. And that's usually what happens. Somebody's calling themselves something that they're not. And there are a lot of people, this is what Paul is, through, his, through all of these epistles, 
He's talked about so many times about people calling themselves prophets. You have something? Well, you have to get it on tape. I thought you. They have given up their husband, Yeshua, for a wife. So they've not only they've not only gone into adultery but into sexual immorality. You think about what she's saying. Not only do you give up your husband, but you go grab a woman, and so. And there goes a bunch of letters in front of it. So you're right. So the, you end up there sexual immorality when you when you do that. That's a great point. It is an abomination. So here she is. She's calling herself something that she's not because she's trying to ex, put herself in a place of power. You know, Halisa did this last week. I keep saying her name. She's probably going to say, would you quit calling my name? Well, you can do something about it, Alan. You whoop me after a while. But anyway, so, but this is, I mean, it was a great point because if y'all wasn't in here, what she was saying is it's not about Je- Jezebel. It was about Ahab. It was about Ahab. He's the one who was in authority that was, that was pushing this thing. She just done his work for him. And this is what happens. And, and, and so when you see this about this woman, you see, you know, we're supposed to be the bride of Messiah, and, and you see all of these things happening. Here's a, here's a woman who's calling herself a prophetess, but she's not. Now, guys, I think we all understand this because we talked about this before. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Jezebel is a spirit. And, and the thing is, is whoever's operating in this spirit, like I said before, there's more males operating in the spirit of Jezebel than I've ever seen females, okay? But it's a spirit. And once that spirit, if that person dies... Hitler can die, but there's another one that's going to come up because it's a spirit. Whoever is going to hear and, and do what Satan wants them to do, he'll run with it. He'll run with whatever he's going to do to destroy the body of Messiah. So it says what happens is, is there's teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat foods sacrificed to idols. And that's why I wanted to read about what is the idolatry and we read it in Colossians chapter 3. So verse 21 is something that Mark brought out just a minute ago. And then we're going to go to Jeremiah 44. And we probably won't get through all of Jeremiah 44 today. Because I'm going to go through and we're going to read what's going on. If you don't know the story, and this is, you know what I'm saying, I can tell you the story. But it isn't good enough. You need to hear it from the Word. You need to hear the Word because the Word is what sets us free. It's not me retelling that story. It's His Word doing that because there's certain things in there that unlocks these keys for us. Because when it says, I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Now, this is the book of Revelation. But don't think that this is the first time something like this has ever happened. It has happened through the history of Israel from the beginning. The, where the Father is so merciful, He gives us opportunities to repent. But the majority of the times you see where Israel, they don't repent. They had a few kings that would go and, and get rid of the high places. And they were great examples for us to do this. But this is what we... Look, I can only affect where I'm at right now today. I cannot affect what happened from our forefathers. But like Paul said, the reason why these things were written down was it so it was our example that we would do something. 
that we wouldn't make the same mistakes that they made. And that if we do make a wrong choice like David, then we have Psalms 51. Then this is, you get that example, how did Yahweh forgive David for what he did? Because he committed adultery and he had somebody killed. So how did, what, so you read Psalms 51 and you, you pray that, you read it, you pray it, and you, you, you own it, and that right there will cleanse your soul. There's so much of this is in here is for us not to revisit. So here's the deal. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I can, let me just say this. I know we've said this plenty of times before. Guys, we need, we need, this is, we, we believe this is a Shemitah. Okay, most of us do. Okay, that's all I know. I'll tell you what I believe, and I'm just going to throw it out there because I am not a date setter. But I would tell you, I believe that by the next Shemitah, I, I think there's a lot, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the 95%. I'm just saying, well, I'm just saying, I'm not a date setter, but I'm just saying what I believe in is this. Well, because here's what happens. I know that, you know, people is, I mean, they, they start with all these dates from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and all of that. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is, is this. According to, that's what I'm saying, we better get our house in order. We better get our house in order, and we better know that this is, I mean, I'm just saying, and, and, and this is why I'm saying this is because we just think, yeah, tomorrow is going to be, next year it's going to be, next year it's going to be. That's right. We need to have our house in order whether it's coming or not. That's exactly right. But what happens is, is because, yeah, we should. And that's, that's what this message, and that, I think this is why the Father has us here. Because I, didn't, I wasn't going to plan on doing these seven congregations. I was going to do something else. And he, he grabbed me and, and said, this is what you're going to do. Because this is, well, it, it, the reason is, is because it is about getting your house in order. Because that's it. Remember what we talked about Polycarp? That was a quote that he made. If you don't live for him today, you won't die for him tomorrow. And this is where we're at. So we get caught up in our little old life, and we're just going through the motions, and we're just living, and we're having fun, and we're, you know, saving for the future. And, and we always, do, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying don't prepare for tomorrow. I'm not saying that. But I'm just telling you, that you need to be prepared that you know that when all hell breaks loose, look what's happening at the Canadian border. Look what's happening to your family down in Australia. What did they do about 10 years ago or whatever? They, they gave all their guns up. And now they have no voice because sticks and stones they're not worried about. AKs they're worried about because it, it hurts them a little more than a stick or stone. <clears throat> Absolutely, Canada did the same, and now you see what's happening. Yes. Yeah, amen. That's right. So what's happening is, is guys, can I just tell you this, that the majority of these people that are doing these blockades and all of that, a lot of these people aren't spiritual people. They just understand history. They're patriots, and they understand history, and they understand it, but 
we, of all people, should know about what's going on here. Because we do Pesach. And Pesach is about not going back to Egypt, not going back into bondage. But guess what? This is where, now you know what our voice is? Our voice for us, I believe, is this. A lot of these people that are doing the blockades, they only are doing it because they don't want somebody telling them what to do. That ain't no good. Because they don't want Yahweh telling them what to do either. So this, this we need to look at this. Who's causing this, this judgment? Is Yahweh's bringing this judgment not only on Canada or the United States or North America? Is it sort of like affecting everybody around the world? Yahweh has his fingerprints all over this. So the message is, is we need to repent and do what he wants us to do. Not sit here and try to get to a place to where, how can I keep my pornography? How can I keep my doing wrong? How can I keep doing what I want to do and Yahweh be okay with it? Once saved, always saved. How can I... The message is, is you need to understand you're not once saved, always saved. Once you're saved, you are. But there is a sanctification and then there's a justification. We need to know that we just need to know that we don't have a lot of time left. And this is why I believe that he's laying this on our hearts like he's laying it on mine because this is what I do. This is what Halisa does when she ministers. The father puts this stuff on. She don't, they don't, Yahweh doesn't tell us stuff. So I can just tell you something that you want to hear or do a sermon or whatever. These are marching orders. That's what he's doing for us is marching orders. Because we sang a song about an army rising up. There's going to be, man, we dead. The church is dead. Can I just say that? The church is dead. They ain't got sin you. They don't have nothing on them. They're dead, dry bones. But when that Holy Spirit is going to hit us at that right time, he's going to start throwing sin you on the army, and he's going to raise up an army of Messiah. But if we're not ready for that, if we're horsing around doing all the things, if we're horsing around with Jezebel, guess what? You ain't going to hear it when he starts blowing that trumpet uh, telling us to change our ways. I remember your words long ago. Grace gets you in the house. Obedience keeps you in it. Amen. And so Yahweh here, in the very beginning of this, it says that he's walking among his congregation, tending his lampstands. We're lampstands. He's tending us, making sure, but it's up to us. What did, what did uh, whenever the uh, tabernacle was built, they had everything, all the furnishings, everything was there. And the priests are standing around there, and Yahweh did something to that altar. He lit that altar. Then he told the priest something. You keep it going. That's our job, is to keep this going. But if we allow seducing spirits and bad teaching to come in here, we're not, we're not keeping the right oil. Do you know that it's the right oil that keeps that lampstand? It's not just oil. Throw some motor oil in there. What do you have? You're going to have a lot of smoke. Can you imagine being into the holy place instead of burning the uh, olive oil if you're burning motor oil? You can't see everybody. All the priests are coming out of there. It's not just about burning oil. It's burning the right oil that Yahweh told you to, 
to do, not dirty, nasty oil. I've just believed that the congregation, the church today, is full of motor oil. We don't have the right squeezed oil that we need for the body of Messiah, for the lamp to burn to where the light shines, to where there's no smoke burning in everybody's eyes. And this is the message that he's trying to teach us. The spirit of Jezebel has caused a lot of smoke in the body of Messiah because this is who he's talking to. So where in the world am I at? Okay, Jeremiah 44. All right, verse 1. I don't know how long, far we're going to get. We'll get through a few scriptures, and then we'll pick back up next week. The reason why, like I said before, these stories are in the scripture to lead us and guide us into life. They're there because they're just as important today as they were back then. What's happening today is no different than what happened back then. It's just a different time period. Because when you get to Revelation, and you get in the 17, 18, 19, 20, and you get to the end, you're going to see the same type situation that, you, that you're seeing here and that you have seen. And I've just picked one. I, there's, there's other situations here, but I just picked one. The reason why I picked this one was is because these people here, what they're doing is, because there's another one, when you get down in it, she's going to call that they were worshiping somebody called the Queen of Heaven. And here you're going to throw another female typo, I mean not typo, but a typology in there of Ishtar or Astroth or whoever it may have been at that day. But you see that there's still what? Idolatry. You still see that there's worshiping. Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Do y'all remember what that's about? The blessing and the cursings. You do what he asked you to do, there's blessings. You don't do what he asked you to do, there's cursings. Guys, it is that simple. And what makes us any different today as the body, and I'm just talking about the body as a whole, when we have changed days and times, when we're not doing Shabbat, like we need to be doing Shabbat. See, this is what I'm talking about. People holler about revival. What does that mean? What does a revival mean? It's supposed to mean repenting and turning back to Him, but not repenting and turning back to the restoration, I mean the Reformation, to where you're still doing Sunday and you're still doing Christmas and Easter. It's not putting Christ back in Christmas. That's not what revival is. Revival is returning back to our ancient past, the Torah. And that's the thing. So we can preach revival, but once that fire starts, somebody has to be there to point them to the ancient past. Because if not, they're going to go back to where they were born into. You're going to go back to what is familiar. And if you go back to what is familiar, you're not doing what the Father wants you to do. When the... When Revelation, in the end part, when it hits and when it starts unfolding, I mean, he's not, it, look, Hebrew roots, if this is, I'm just going to say it that way, is being taught all over the world. They, they, 
with the internet and with YouTube and this tube and that tube and whatever, I'm telling you, there's not going to be any excuse for people to say, I didn't know. Because it's everywhere. Guys, Kenya, love our people, Miss Mary and them in Kenya. Love them. Lisa and Alan and y'all got people in, in Kenya. How did Kenya find out about Hebrew roots? You know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. The Ruach, absolutely. Because you know what? They love the Father. They love the Father. And when you love the Father and you love the Son, then guess what? The Holy Spirit has a job to do. It's to guide and to teach. They read His Word and they said, you know what? This, there's a more excellent way. Well, we don't know the more excellent way. So what do they do? A lot of them, they get on the Internet. And something happens because there's good things that can happen. And there's a pointing in a direction. And somebody then emailed us and says, Hey, you guys, over there, wherever you're at, in Mississippi, we need help. I'm sure Halicinim gets the same thing. Hey, guys, we need help. We need this. We don't know. There's something here. This is not, this is the whole, this is the Ruach doing this. And, guys, we got to understand this is way bigger than we are. And he is doing this thing all over, and a lot of things are happening. But we have to be so proactive in what we're doing and understanding and not be comfortable with just our little bitty four and no more. Because uh, we're sitting here, we're we're live streaming some, and then the other, we're going out through HRN in these messages. There's a lot of people, and what I heard lately, there's a lot of people in South Africa is hearing what's going on here. There's a whole lot of people that's hearing what's going on in these other nations. And the Father's using this to get this message out because we can't be everywhere. But He is doing this. He is getting this message out. So guess what? We have a responsibility to walk this message. Because sooner or later, they're going to start cutting the feeds to all of this. And then hopefully and prayerfully at that time, these communities will be established and set up about Torah. You know, I'm not going to call her name again, but I talked to her a a, a couple of years ago. Well, I I just, I, I really appreciate her. She's a straight shooter. She's the Annie Oakley of Torah, okay? Whether she likes that or not, she don't aim for the hand. She aims between the eyes, okay? And I appreciate that because, but she had made a statement, and I appreciate this, is I can give you five acres of land, but I ain't going to plow it up for you. I can give you this, but I'm not going to plant this for you. And when people come around and say, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember it. People's going to come around and say, I've been wasting my time. Now I'm really frantic. I've been in this thing for 10 years, but I'm not it may be too late for you. What are you doing? Well, don't frown. Shoot you right between the eyes. You're a hand shooter. But here's what she's saying is, is this. Well, this is the thing. What are you doing with your time? The Father called you 10 years ago. 
what are you horsing around for? He didn't call you 10 years ago to horse around and then all of a sudden 10 years later feel like, well, maybe I need to get my ducks in a row. Quack, quack. You know, it don't work that way. He called you then. We need it. What are we doing? You know what we're doing? We're doing the same thing we did when we was in the church. Doing the same thing I did when I was a Baptist. I just, I go through revival. I go through, I get me a spiritual high. I do good for a little while and then I backslide. And then I'm waiting on the next, yeah, well, on the next feast. Do you know there's people in Hebrew roots, they meet three times a year, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. What about Shabbat? Well, you know what? I'm into the feast. <laughs> Shabbat's the first of the feast. Sister and brothers, I'm just telling you. You miss that. You can't, you know what? We've been, we've been hanging. I, I keep saying, she'll, she's going to get on me for this, but that's okay. We've been married 40 years, and she ain't kicked me out yet. Uh, yeah, she ain't kicked me out yet. Here's the deal. We haven't been doing the feast. How many, t- how many years do you say that we've been doing the feast? Since 87? I say we haven't been doing the feast since 87. We've been hanging around the feast since 87. It was only when we got in our Hebrew roots that we started understanding and doing the feast. Because we were trying to learn. I know, I see the in my eyes. That's why I wanted to put a mirror up here because everybody's watching you right now. So, but what I'm saying is, what am I, what am I saying? Because we're hanging around it because what? We didn't have Shabbat. We didn't have Shabbat. We didn't have the Sabbath until we finally really understood what Shabbat was all about. Because Shabbat teaches us, that's the very, that's the concrete. That's the foundation of everything being built. I mean, out of the Ten Commandments, is Passover in the Ten Commandments? Not, not in the thing of Passover. It's in, it's in seed form that you keep the Sabbath because it is a Sabbath. It's in seed form. But Sabbath made the top four, you know. But all of these other things are because that's why it says you shall keep my Sabbaths, and it's got an S on the end of it. So, yeah, in seed form it is there. But what does most people do? They'll do Passover, Shavuot, and... Uh, and some of them will call it Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. It's okay where we start, but if you, if you leave out Shabbat, you're going to be a dog chasing your tail. And that's what we did for a long time, trying to figure out what was going on in our lives. And you know what? Finally, when we, real about, when we realized we need to go from Sunday to Saturday, we caught our tail again. You see, we finally grabbed a hold of it, and we understood. We kept circling around. And then from then, guys, I'm just letting you know how this journey went for us. And from there, revelation started coming. Do you know that there's knowledge, there's understanding, and there's wisdom? Knowledge is how you get the facts. Understanding is how you arrange the facts, and wisdom is how you use the facts. We had knowledge, but we had no understanding. And therefore, we had no wisdom. We had a lot of opinions about what we thought the knowledge meant and what it represented. We had a great heart. I'm not going to get to where I'm going, but this is what the Father's leading us. Because this, this foundation here, because if you don't understand this, you're not even going to understand Jeremiah 44. Because they're playing a game here. The people today are playing a game is what's happening. And all I'm trying to say is, is this is not a game. 
And this is why the Father has got us here, because here's what's going to happen is he's going to use you guys. He's going to use not only you. This is not only happening. Here's is happening everywhere else. Everybody's special in his sight. He knows what he's doing to get his people ready. He has other prophets. Elijah thought maybe he was the only one. He said, what, I got 7,000 more just like you. This is happening all over the place. Different ways it's going out. The message is going out maybe with a little different flavor. Some's caramel, some's chocolate, whatever, but it's getting out there. And this is, this is the important thing is because we need to be able to know what we're doing and to be able to affect who the Father has us to affect. And that's what we do. Nothing more, nothing less. And if he grows us to where he wants us to affect another, then that's his doings, it's not my doings. Because he is in charge of all things. There is no, you know, I don't want to be like Paul. Can I just say that? I don't want to be like Paul. Paul was a, I w- that's really a bad statement. But I'm going to try to clarify it in a very ugly way. Here's the deal. Paul, I want to be like Paul that I want to love my Messiah. I want to do all of that, okay? But Paul was a very powerful man of the Spirit. Enough that he had an affirmity that was attached to him to keep him humble. And now this is why I want to say that, because, see, everybody wants to be a Moses or a Paul, but you don't want the affirmity might be attached to you to keep you humble, to where you don't realize that I'm the Messiah because of, can you imagine just... Y'all know what that is, don't you? Y'all know what that dude is. There's a, there's a, do you know that if Paul sweat, give it, boom, healings, driving out demons, tell me that there's not a lot of power of the Holy Spirit moving in this man's life. But there is a lot of persecution that he went through for that to happen. There was a lot of sufferings that went on in his life. See, you can't have the power without the sufferings. You can't have the power without something going to keep us humble. Because it, you know what we will do? This is one thing. What about the uh, charismatic movement? I don't know. I'm just off everywhere today. You know, they started off with some good names, you know, of a ministry. And then it turned out to their name was on the bus. This name ministry. I ain't going to call a name. This name ministry, instead of... Praise the Father is this name show. So what are they doing? See, because the Father used them, and then when they started blessing, then they took the credit. You start putting your name. Like, why in the world did you need to put your name on a bus? Like they don't know who you are. Well, it's exactly pride. And this is that's a spirit. Man. And you know what? Like I said, I'm not going to name these people, but there's a lot of them. If you think, a lot of them fail. You know, it talks about stars falling from heaven. That's a lot of it. That people has turned around and put their self to where they think that it's about them, and they forget that it's about Yahweh. Have you ever thought about the reason why we pray after we eat? Because you know what, guys? We're satisfied. Because once you eat, you're fixing to eat in a minute. Right now, you're ready to pray that he will hush so I can go eat. Okay? 
So y'all are, some of you may even start speaking in tongues, so I'll hurry up a little faster. Okay, I got that. But listen to this. But how many people that once we do go eat, you never think about being hungry, you're satisfied. This is what happens to us spiritually whenever we're satisfied with what the Father's doing for us. And then we forget Him. We forget to thank Him. Because that's what we don't want to do. We need to be, if, we, if we're the team that wins the Super Bowl, of all people needs to be the team that's thanking the Father. I'm just throwing that out as an analogy. You, you see what I'm saying? The, very, the victories, the, the very victories that happens in our life, that victory that happens to where, I mean, we have really, guess what? It ain't really we, we, nothing. It's what he did. He moved that mountain. He departed the Red Sea. We can't take glory on the other side and do a Turkazia thinking about what we done. Was that a bad Turkazia? Okay, I embarrassed my wife with that Turkazia. That was not a Turkazia. Okay, that was a Zia, but I don't know what it was. So, guys, I'm gonna close with this. That's right. It was a Turkazia. Gobble, gobble. But so here's what we're wanting to focus on. Seducing and teaching. It's out there in the body of Messiah. It's out there rampant. This is the big, huge, huge fight that we're having. I think one thing, I'm going to say it. Vaccination, unvaccination. Is it caused rift in families? Thank you. Okay, if that can cause a rift to where your family member won't talk to you anymore, whether you got the jab or not. And then so if you don't get the jab, they're steadily what? Jabbing at you because you do or you don't. If you think that, wait till it comes to spiritual matters. When it comes to spiritual matters, it's going to be on steroids of what happens to that. Because now people are going to turn you in. They're turning people in over vaccinations. They will definitely turn you in over spiritual things whenever you upset Jezebel, she ain't happy. She'll write you a letter, or she'll write somebody a letter. And we don't need to be like Elijah. We need to face that head on. And I can promise you I'm a long ways from Elijah. But we need to, we need to face these things. We need to be prepared now because I'm telling you, because as this thing gets further down the line, I'm just telling you, I'm just this these seven years that we're entering into, guys, we need to be on steroids on the spirit. We need to really know and understand that this ain't a game. Because things are gonna happen, and when they happen, they're gonna happen fast. They're not gonna happen slow. One day you may wake up like they did back in the depression and there's nothing there. I thought about your words. You've been horsing around for like 10 years. Had a conversation with my brother yesterday and something very profound. He told me, I won't pleasurize here. He said, you can have reasons, excuse me, you can have results or you can have excuses, but you can't have both.